Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, it's been 18 days since we last recorded. There's six one and one. Back-to-back wins against Montreal included in there. Their first division title since 1999-2000. Matthews has 40 and 50. What do you want to start with? How have you been the last two weeks? We, I've been good. I'm kind of just waiting for the playoffs to start at this point. It's The, the season's kind of dragging on, but the last couple of wins have been pretty nice. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for playoffs to start, though. So still two more games left. We're starting to see some playoff lineups come in in terms of the practice lines, and we're starting to see Hyman, you know, back at practice, Felino back at practice. Um, so let's 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 get into these playoff lines already. I think that's what people want to hear. Yeah, I think it does seem like it's going to be Montreal. So I mean, not guaranteed, but I, it does look more and more likely like it is going to be Montreal. Toronto, as I mentioned, won their first division title since 1999-2000 when Wendell Clark was on the team. We'll give some acknowledgement to that, but I think everyone's just waiting for the playoffs, hoping everyone stays healthy. And as you mentioned, we did see the the practice lines earlier today. Uh, it, it is tough to know how much to read into it. It's not, not nothing set in stone. You could see some adjustments uh, after after these few games here. But as it stands, Nick, we'll go line by line. Um, let's start, I guess, with the guys that are out of the lineup. So Galchenyuk, Engvall, Brooks. Any surprises there? Well, definitely Galchenyuk. Um, I thought he was going to be in the lineup in my ideal playoff lineup I have Galchenyuk in the in the lineup um I don't think with when it comes to Brooks I'm not too surprised I know he was producing points when he was on that fourth line um but you know just as a line they weren't really play driving too much they were kind of getting outplayed um I think he's just good cheap depth there you know in the playoffs if there's a couple injuries I think Brooks can uh, be a reliable guy to come in but I'm not surprised at all and Pierre Engvall, I'm not really surprised. I, I've been a fan of him all year in that uh, shutdown center role. But I just think as of late, when he was at third-line center, he wasn't very good. I thought he was turning the puck over far too much in the offensive zone. Um, and then Keefe gave him some minutes as a fourth-liner on the wing, and he started to produce a little bit and score some goals. So uh, I'm still not surprised he's not in the lineup. I, th- I think that, uh, again, just reliable depth if there are injuries but I want to talk about Galchenyuk because we've talked about this in the past where we said the way that Keith manages Simmons and Thornton whether they're in the lineup or out of the lineup and who he sits instead of those guys I think that's going to be a huge story as we start the playoffs especially if the Leafs start getting into trouble um, you know start losing some games I think Keith's gonna have to make some pretty tough choices um, again, it's tough to say how much we should read into these playoff lines, but I think Galchenyuk out of the lineup is definitely a storyline. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you think Thornton and Simmons should be there instead of Galchenyuk? Well, I think with Galchenyuk, he's certainly the most surprising of the three, uh, being Engvall and Brooks. I didn't expect Brooks to be in. Uh, I think Kerfoot's just a better version of Brooks, where he's you know the same size, a little bit better offensively, I would say, a little bit faster, a little bit better defensively than Brooks. So I was expecting Brooks to be out. Engvall, I'll have maybe some hot takes on later. I know he scored in three straight, but uh, you know he's kind of been in Keith's doghouse for, especially at the start of the year. I, I just felt like he was going to get scratched with with everyone back. 
Um, Galchenyuk, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised. I guess I saw it coming. Um, just the fact that he was taking off the second power play, for example. Um, personally, I would have had Galchenyuk in my playoff lineup. I think he brings a lot to the table that they're lacking. Uh, secondary scoring being a big one, and that's really something they lacked against Columbus last year, where it felt like the Leafs were were almost a, a I guess a two line team didn't really have a good bottom six. So I, I do think that Galchenyuk's a bit of a, a surprise. Uh, we'll wait and see how it works out. Um, you know, maybe Keith has the perfect lineup here and proves us wrong. Maybe he makes an adjustment. But I would have had Galchenyuk in my lineup. I like the secondary scoring, the forechecking, the effort he brings. Uh, I, I am surprised he's not in the lineup. I would have had him over Thornton, Simmons, or even Mikhaev. Um So I, I, I definitely would have had him in. But I do get it, like, you know, he's been around many different teams. He's been healthy scratched on other teams before. Um, I don't think, you know, a lot of the average Leafs fans going to be going after Keith for that, but I do think that's a bit of a mistake. So we'll wait and see how it plays out. Um, let's start, I guess, with the first line, Nick. We'll go line by line here. So they are reuniting Hyman, Matthews, and Marner. What are your thoughts on that line, A? And then B would be, if Hyman wasn't on that line, what would your second choice have been? Well, you can't complain about the first line. I mean, that's... That's a line that Keith has gone to, you know, game after game this year when the Leafs are in trouble, um, whenever they are pretty much, he, he goes to that pretty often. If they're, if they're down a goal, he goes to that line. If they need a spark and the game's kind of flat, even if they're tied, he goes to that line. Um, offensive zone starts from time to time. He'll try to, he'll go to that line. So I think it's just a line. You get three players that are very, very good, probably three other most important players, um, and you know it's going to work. It's worked all year. It's worked past years. Um, so you can't really complain about that. When it comes to Hyman, it just feels like every line he's on is is good. Uh, I wouldn't have mind. I, I wouldn't mind Felino there. I think that the Felino Matthews Marno line has been pretty good the last couple games. Um, that's pretty much the only other option I would go with in terms of Matthews Marner for game one. Um, I know people have been talking about Thornton being there. We've seen that quite a bit this year. It was really good at the beginning of the year. Um, I wouldn't have that game one. I think Thornton's got to be in your bottom six or scratched, um, especially for game one. And, you know, it's playoff time. It's it's time to have the most optimized lines. So uh, either either Hyman or Felino for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think with Hyman earlier on, when they were playing him on the third line, uh, it was kind of weird that they would move him up kind of mid-game, like when they needed a goal. I kind of want them to, to start the game with that kind of desperation. Um, so I, I do like the Hyman-Matthews-Marner line. As you said, I don't think you'd go wrong there. We've seen the success in the past. I was going to tweet out line combinations late last night, but it was like, it was past midnight. I was like, no one's going to read this. But I was actually going to put Felino <laughs> there. Um, I was going to put Hyman just driving his own line on the third line. I think I'm okay with either. I'm open to either. I would just be quick to adjust because you know... Hyman works well with Matthews Marner. If that line's not clicking, you can always go back to it. Um, so I don't have a strong opinion either way, but I do like the Hyman Matthews Marner line. I can't complain too much. Um, I, I guess it's just whether you want to do the balanced approach, which is probably moving Hyman on his own line, or if you want to, you know, stack that top line and, and have that really strong Hyman Matthews Marner line. Um, I don't think you'd go wrong either way. I'm not sure we've seen enough of Felino there to really have a strong opinion, but I think we're in agreement there. That second line, Nick, from practice, it is a new line. Felino, Tavares, Nylander. What are your thoughts on that line? This is a weird one because I think 
when they were about to sign, whether it was Taylor Hall, whether it was Felino, whether it was I Follow, the the narrative was that they were getting someone to play with Tavares and Nylander. And we haven't seen that yet. Felino's been signed, but it was traded for. Um he was and he's been put with Matthews and Marner almost exclusively. So this is obviously a new line, as you said. I don't know how I feel about it. I, Tavares and Nylander, the, their usage has been pretty offensive. They get a ton of offensive zone starts. They very rarely do they get the other team's top line. They're usually playing second and third lines, um, depending on the usage of that third line. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of in between here having Felino. I really liked Galchenyuk on that line because that line was in the offensive zone so much. And Galchenyuk's shot, his creativity, his just offensive skill set in general really worked well with Tavares and Nylander. Um, I don't know, I guess it's tough to be too upset about Felino being there without seeing them play together. Like I'm still kind of 50-50 on it, and I guess we'll see uh, how it looks in these next two games. Um, but... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Felino coming in and, and having that type of usage. I'd rather him either being with Matthews and Marner or being on a shutdown pair, shutdown line, sorry, uh, as the third line. But uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not too strong about this. I guess we'll see um, how they play in the next couple games. Yeah. So I guess my thought is I like it for now. So we haven't seen Felino Tavares Nylander yet. Felino before he got hurt was with Matthews Marner. I don't mind trying that line out for a couple games before the playoffs just to see what it looks like, but I do have concerns. I think Tavares' weakness, as everyone knows, would be his skating and his transition skill. They kind of go hand in hand. I think Felino, the same thing. I think he's a bit slow at, at, at his age. I don't think he's a great transition player. Now, Nylander could help. He's, he's certainly great in transition. He can, he can certainly lead that line from a transition point of view, but it is just it's tough to have just one high-end transition guy on the line. I'd ideally have two. I like Galchenyuk there, as as did you, Nick. I agree with you there. Um, so I probably would have kept Galchenyuk, Tavares, Nylander, and that would have freed up Foligno or Hyman to play on that shutdown third line, which we'll get to in a minute here. Uh, that was that would have been my preference, but I'm I'm okay with I guess trying it for now. I just hope that that Foligno, Tavares, Nylander line isn't clicking. I either want to see Foligno and Hyman switch. That way you have that Tavares-Nylander line clicking with Hyman. Or I want to see, you know, maybe move Kerfoot up to that Tavares-Nylander line, move Felino down, um, because I do think that line's key. I think the Leafs' biggest competitive advantage over teams, especially teams, even, even Edmonton that does have an elite first line, is they have that second first line. Um, so I, I really want to see that Tavares-Nylander-Felino line as a second first line rather than just an average second line. I'm a little bit hesitant i'm not sure how it's going to go just because i think felino and Tavares kind of have similar weaknesses but i'm open to try it for now um so i guess we'll we'll wait and see on that one is that fair i think so and i also want to point out that like you said there is a high chance that you're playing montreal um and montreal's got when they're completely healthy four pretty good five on five lines um, and they're just a good five-on-five five team in general when they're playing kind of at their best. Um, so, like, to me, these t- the top nine in itself is a very balanced top nine. Like, you have guys that, like, having Felino on that Tavares-Nylander line makes them, gives them a really good defensive presence in Felino. Um, obviously, if Galchenyuk's there, you know, that's three guys where 
you know, I wouldn't say Tavares and Nylander are like huge standout defensive forwards. I would say Felino is. So I do think that top nine, just each of them, each of the lines, especially the top six, is quite well-rounded on both ends of the ice. So I don't know if that's his thinking, but let's talk about this third line because this has been a huge topic all season um, with the shutdown pair, especially on this podcast. I think, you know, I definitely have been really interested in it all year. Um, I really like the way that Keith's been using them. So let's talk about this line. What are your initial thoughts of Kerfoot, Nash, and Mikheyev? Yeah, I think you you touched on it there. At the start of the year, he did start Hyman there. Uh, we we have seen kind of a revolving door on that third line where I'm, I know it was, you know, we had VZ with Kerfoot at one point. Uh, I know Mikhaev and Kerfoot have been together for most of the year, but I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. I think it's a fine shutdown line. Um, and it, I guess in isolation or in a vacuum. Um, I, I guess I'm okay with it. I think against a team like Edmonton, it would be good because you have, you know, Mikhaev can really skate and keep up with a guy like McDavid. Kerfoot's fast. Nash is obviously really well known for his defensive play. So I do think that it's a good shutdown line. I just think it puts a lot of pressure on that fourth line to score. And I don't want to, you know, get too much into the fourth line here, but I'm not a huge fan of the fourth line. So I, I think the bottom six might lack scoring. Um, we'll see. Uh, I do have some some criticisms of of the bottom six in general, but in a vacuum, I don't mind the Kerfoot Nash Mikhaev line. Uh, I was actually thinking of various line combinations where Kerfoot was on the wing. I, I think he's you know equally capable of playing center or a wing. Um, but I, I do think he's he's kind of a bit of a Swiss Army knife, Kerfoot. So I'm fine with him there. You know, Mikhaev on the wing, I'm okay with uh, on that line. Nash is obviously very good defensively. I think you can trust that line against anyone. But to me, I don't see them scoring much. Nash really isn't good offensively. Mikhaev has, has not been able to put the puck in the net all year. Uh, Kerfoot does not have much of a shot either. I don't see them scoring much. So I almost see them as a high-end fourth line. Um and Nick, I know we always mention the Marlies, that line of Greening, Goche, and, and Engvall. That's Not what wasting it reminds any me time of. this time, eh? That's what it reminds me <laughs> of. It's, it, they're set up the same way with two kind of stack lines, a, a scoring fourth line, and a checking line. I don't know if the fourth line is as good or is, is going to score enough. That's my concern. But if the fourth line scores, I, I don't mind having this one as a shutdown line. So I'm kind of torn on it. We'll wait and see. But I do question. I like the defense. I don't like the offense of this third line. Okay, so by design, so I agree and I disagree. So by design, that third line isn't really supposed to do too much offense. Like even at their best this year, when they were the hem line, they were actually that. I mean that that line was was producing quite a bit of offense. But like that third line, even with the Marlies, like that Engvall. Um, the Engvall line there, like they hardly really scored very much. So I think when when you're looking at bottom six scoring, that fourth line is going to score, is is going to need to score. And that's where I agree with you. I don't think that fourth line um, is kind of good enough in comparison to some of the fourth lines we've seen this year. Like I really liked Kerfoot on that fourth line where it was uh, Kerfoot, Thornton, Spezza. I think that's one of the best fourth lines they've had this year. Um, in an in a vacuum, when I look at Kerfoot, Nash, and Mikheyev, I think it can do the job. I, I, I definitely think Nash is probably their best third line center in terms of, you know, when you compare him to Pierre Engvall and to Kerfoot. Um, one thing I really noticed was over the past few weeks, Keith has been playing Alex Kerfoot as the third line center, and the usage has not been the same as what we've seen that third line 
get all year. Uh, when Engvall was there, they were getting a lot of defensive zone stars. They were getting top competition. Um, and when Kerfoot was there, they were virtually just another line. It almost reminded me of the kerfoot mckayev Kapitan line that we saw last year where they're virtually out there. You know, it's they're not really making a difference. They don't really have a role. They're kind of 50-50 in terms of zone starts. They're kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of shot um, differential at 5-on-5. Five five. So I'm not surprised at all that Nash is that third-line center when he's healthy. Um, I think he's could be probably better at face-offs, which is kind of Engvall's big downfall. Um, but I think he's just a better version of Engvall, Riley Nash. So I do like him at third-line center. I think that third line can do the job in terms of playing top competition and doing pretty good. But I'm going to completely agree with you in terms of that fourth line. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, and having Thornton and Simmons both in the lineup, I, I think it's important in terms of the intangibles that they bring. I, I do like Simmons' energy, and especially if you're going to play Montreal. like That's going to be a pretty physical and emotional series. So I do like what Simmons brings. I just don't know how I feel about you know benching Galchenyuk so both Thornton and Simmons play, and they both are on the same line. Like... It just feels like you're kind of doing a disservice to Spezza. Like, this guy's in the top 25 this year in terms of 5-on-5 scoring, and he's playing, like, 12 5-on-5 minutes a night. Like, he's having a fantastic year, and you want to use that. I mean, like, his scoring's been really important to this team, and I think I'd want to have at least, like, an Alex Kerfoot to play with Spezza so he can continue to produce there. Okay. So I think we're kind of in alignment on the third line being a good shutdown line that can take defensive zone starts. I think we also agree that that puts a lot of pressure on the fourth line to score because they're going to get more offensive zone starts. They're also need to kind of compensate for a defensively focused fourth line or third line. Sorry. So I think I'm in agreement with you on that fourth line. And I think I I agree with you specifically on, I thought the the Thornton Kerfoot Spezza line was that worked pretty well. I also think the Thornton Brooks Spezza line worked pretty well. So I think, you know, both of both Kerfoot and Brooks are, are pretty similar players. Um and I and I think, you know, you, you're kind of messing with something that works. Right. Um, which which is a bit of a concern for me. I also didn't mind and I go back to last year's playoff series where you had Engvall centering a line with Clifford and Spezza, and I like that. So whether it's Kerfoot, Brooks, or Engvall uh, I, I, I think that works between Thornton and Spezza. I prefer Spezza on the wing. I think that puts him in more of an offensive position. Uh, he's obviously been an outstanding scorer at 5-on-5 five five this year. He was top 5 in points per 60 at 5-on-5 five five in the league. Um, I don't know if he still is. He's still top 10, I imagine. But for me, I, I haven't liked Spezza at center. I know he takes face-offs. I, I, I just don't think he covers the ground at this point. I think he's more of an offensive player. Um, and for me, you're kind of pigeonholing Simmons into the lineup. And for me, I, I think they need a transition player, Thornton Spezza. Like, we know what they are. They're big. They're a bit older. Spezza's actually pretty good in transition. I don't think Thornton is. Um, so for me, I either would have Simmons... I would have went with one of Simmons or Mikhaev. I'm actually was would have been okay with scratching Mikhaev at this point, um, but I do think that the guy I would have scratched is Simmons and putting Galchenyuk in. Um, I'm looking at Simmons's numbers. He has one point in his last 14 games. He's last on the team in terms of goals above replacement. 
uh, and although he is kind of middle of the pack in terms of expected goals against replacement. Um, Nick, I want you to guess here. He's got he's played 36 games. He's got seven goals. How many assists do you think he has? At five on five or in general? General. Total. 36 games. Three. Two. He's got two assists this year. Um, I don't think he's great defensively. I think he's fine there. I'd probably give Makayev the edge defensively. He's fought three times this year. Um, and I think people really overrate uh, the, the fighting. Like he, I know he fought Ben Sherrod early in the year, and the Leafs came back, and we had that narrative that Simmons won them the game. Um, the other one was, was Jordy Ben when he was on Vancouver. It was like a 7-3 game, and, and Simmons had a bad hit and, and fought Ben, which was kind of pointless. The <laughs> other one was Edler and retaliation uh, pretty recently which was obviously a, a hot topic in Vancouver. Um, for me, he's a guy, like, if you had a bad, dirty game, you could come in the next game. But I would have I scratched him. I know they scratched Matt Martin for Johnson a few years back. To me, it's that kind of situation. But I did say at the start of the year, like, Thornton Simmons, they're fine to add. But I do think that if, you, if you're not going to scratch them because they're veterans, I think that's a, an issue. So, yeah, I would have played Galchenyuk. I would have even played Engvall over Simmons. Yeah, like it, my ideal lineup, Simmons isn't in there. Um, I would want that fourth line to be Kerfoot, Thornton, and Spezza. And one thing I do want to say, I'm glad you brought up Spezza at center. Like, Spezza's hardly played center this year. Um, I know, I think it was on one of the panels at intermission, they were talking about how um, Brooks, when he was in the lineup, he, they were talking, they're making it a pretty big deal that he's overtaken Engvall in the depth chart and he's pushed sent, uh, Spezza to the wing. Like, Spets has hardly played center this year. Like, Travis Boyd was playing center earlier in the year. Kerfoot played fourth-line center at large portions. And then when Brooks came in the lineup, Brooks was there. So, like you said, like, I think the team understands that Spezza is better as a winger. And 99.9% of his points this year have occurred when he's on the wing. So, it just feels like they're kind of making... And and I want to say a caveat before I say this. Like Keith's done a fantastic job this year. I think he should be one of the the finalists for uh, the Jack Adams this year. Like he's been excellent. So we're really kind of nitpicking here, but this is an important time of the year. I mean, this is a, a year where the Leafs could legitimately win a cup. So these lineup decisions in your bottom six are gonna matter. Um, it just feels like we're kind of in the Babcock days where like age and experience is kind of is and again these are practice lines so but I don't want it to be a situation where we're, we're making all these exceptions where Galchenyuk gets scratched you're moving Spezza to center for the first time really this year and let's say if, even if they play in the playoffs it's going to be a, a bigger sample in important games um, just so that you can play Thornton and Simmons in the lineup um, I just don't want like huge moves to be made just so you can get those two in the lineup it just seems a little odd um in such high stakes games yeah i think Spezza. Uh, looking at the goals above replacement numbers Spezza is their worst rated forward in terms of defensive play this year so he just does not have the center skill set at this point he did play wing when he was with dallas primarily he played wing primarily last year for the leaves as you said it was boyd he's played with brooks he's played with kerfoot He's been primarily on the wing this year. For me, he's a better winger. Uh, he's had great results as a winger this year. I would have kept him there. I think he can play in a pinch. I just think you're kind of forcing it by doing by putting Simmons in. Um, I 
you know, I, I get the playoff hockey thing. It's more physical. You want, you know, some forechecking, some some hitting. But to me, Simmons is, is not one of their top 12 forwards right now. I don't think he's a good fit on the same line as Thornton and Spezza. Um, so for me, you're kind of forcing it there. But it is what it is. We'll see how it works. Um, if if this is a, a game or two to try things for Keefe, I'm, I'm more open to it prior to playoffs. But I will say, too, I do think Keefe's been good this year, but... I did think he had some questionable decisions in last year's playoffs, primarily the you know the decision to put Tavares with Matthews and Marner, put Nylander at center. So I do think that if he if he makes a lot of you know some questionable lineup decisions this time around, I do think he's going to deserve the criticism. So uh, I'm I'm certainly interested to see what happens, um, but I think we're we're largely aligned on on what we would have done. Do you want to hear what my lines would have been? What I was going to tweet out. Uh, yeah, let's go line by line. So you do your first line, I'll do my first line. Okay, so I'm not against time and Matthews Marner whatsoever, but it just kind of worked out this way that I wanted to try one with Hyman on the third line to start. Okay. So I was going to go Foligno Matthews Marner, which I think you would have been fine with. I think we're kind of aligned that, there. Where... I actually have my... Uh, I was going to tweet out my lines uh, a couple days ago, and then I didn't in the end. So actually, that's my the same first line there. Foligno? Yeah, Foligno, Matthews, Marner. Okay. I would have stuck with Galchenyuk, Tavares, Nylander. That's mine too. Okay. My third line... Let. So I would have... I got to start with the fourth line. I, I would have kept Thornton and Spezza on, both on the wing, on the same line. With I actually think I would have put... I actually am not going to go Kerfoot. I would have probably went Engvall there. Okay, I, I went Kerfoot. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference between... And your third line is is Hyman, Nash, Mikheyev? No. Ooh. I would have. I think I would have scratched Mikheyev in this case, which I know is going to be a bit controversial, but um, I'll get into my reasoning. So I would have went Kerfoot, Nash, Hyman. The reason I like that line is, A, I think they're going to score because I think Kerfoot and Hyman on the third line together, um, you got a lot of transition skill... I think Hyman's obviously a very good third liner. I think Kerfoot's a really good third liner too, especially on the wing. And they can match up against anyone. And then my fourth line, Thornton Engvall and, and, and Spezza, that doesn't work. I can always go Brooks there instead. But I just think Thornton and Spezza have been good together when they're both on the wing. I think that line would have worked. Um, I, I, and that, that would have let Makayev and Simmons on the out. I'm definitely fine with you know playing Makayev. I, I don't think it's a huge... You know, I'm, I'm not, like, yelling that he should be out of the lineup or anything, but uh, I do think that there's a lot of penalty killers coming back with Hyman, Felino, and Nash. All can kill penalties. Obviously, Marner, Kerfoot can do it as well. Um, I do think he's a good penalty killer. I just think, you know, the offense hasn't been there this year. If you look at something like goals above replacement, uh, his, his effect on even-strength offense has been really weak. Um, so, I... I I just like that that look of a Kerfoot Nash Hyman line. I just think it's a line that can kind of do it all. I think they can provide more offense in their current third line. I also think that they can um, really be a good effective checking line. So I, that would have been my kind of outside of the box thinking, but I'm sure yours is a little bit more uh, realistic, more likely, I guess I would say. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate that idea. Um, the reason why I wouldn't do it and. I think anyone who listens to this might be surprised I don't have Engvall in my lineup because I've been talking so highly of him all year. But 
To me, if Engvall's going to be in the lineup, you either have him at fourth line wing or you have him at third line center. And I don't think offensively, like I, I would want Engvall on that fourth line because uh, I just don't. I know he scored a few goals in the last couple of games, but I think his best usage is in defensive kind of shutdown usage. Um, I do definitely see where you're coming from. Like Engvall's transition skill, I think, is really up there. And if he can get Spezza into that offensive zone, um, I think Spezza can definitely do some damage. But, uh, you know, for me, I think Kerfoot's also a pretty good transition. So that's why I have him there. And when it comes to Mikhaev, I've actually seen on in my mentions and on my timeline quite a bit, um, quite a few people saying that they also want Mikhaev out of their lineup. I think when you look at things like even expected goals, um, like relative to his teammates, Engvall's in the negatives. Uh, sorry, um, Mikhaev is in the negatives. Um, even things like Corsi, like he's, I think he's like 48 or 49%. Um, so I do think they're getting outshot when when Mikhaev is on the ice. Um, I do think he's gotten some pretty tough deployment this year. And I think the things that you people notice, um, things like finishing ability, things like skill in the offensive zone, I don't think Mikhaev has those things. But I see a lot of I see a ton of value in his ability to take the puck in his own end, race up the ice, push the defense back. He very rarely finishes, like he almost never finishes his chances. But you know, more times than not, the Leafs spend the, that uh, shift in the offensive zone. And you know, if you're going up against top competition, like if you're going up against McDavid or even like a Nick Suzuki, and they can spend their shift in the defensive zone. Then I think there's value in that. So I, I do think I do think Mikhaev's going to be in the lineup. He would be in my lineup solely because of that. But I, I do see, you know, I don't know if he's going to play much on the penalty kill with Felino and Hyman and even maybe Riley Nash getting in there. But I, I think that value in five on five, I you know, I, th- I think there's something there. I think he's a solid player for sure. A good penalty killer guy that he could kind of throw out there against anyone. So I'm definitely fine with Mikhaev in the lineup. For me, it just came down to. I had Galchenyuk in over Simmons, and then it was between Engvall and Mikhaev. I preferred to have Engvall just because I wanted the center, just how my lineup worked, um, because I did like that Kerfoot-Hyman duo on the wings. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't have strong opinions that Mikhaev should come out. I just think he should be at least in the conversation if right. the fit is right. Um, I do like Engvall in that line just because I thought the Clifford Engvall Spezza line did well last year. I think just his transition skill could help the other two. I think he kind of has similar value to Mikhaev in terms of penalty killing and length and speed. So uh, I would have been fine with that, um, but definitely okay with Mikhaev in the lineup. I just think that I, I don't know if that, you know, Simmons is on the fourth line right now. And to me, he's not providing enough offensively to really, you know, I don't think you have a, a fourth line, Thornton, Spezza, Simmons, that's going to score in bunches. At least Simmons isn't lately. Um, and then I look at the third line, Kerfoot, Nash, Mikhaev, and I see a line that's probably not going to score a lot as well. So I do have serious concerns about the bottom six scoring right now. Uh, I do not know if I like Spezza at center there. I do think they're kind of forcing it a bit. But hopefully, like if it looks good in the next couple games before playoffs, maybe you keep it. If it doesn't look good, I do hope they make an adjustment. I hope they're not kind of you know, completely married to these lines, regardless of the results. Yeah, we're aligned there. I do want to say one thing. I, I feel like, you know, just our overall tone towards these lines is, is somewhat negative. And I do want to say that 
as a 12-man group, like this is one of the best lineups we've seen probably in years. Um, having extras like Galchenyuk, Engvall, like those types of guys scratched, like they're in a way better position than they were last year. Like Frederick Gauthier got a, a playoff game last year um, in the Columbus series. So it just shows you how far this depth has come. I still think that with this lineup right now, you know, they're a heavy, heavy favorite, whether they play the Jets or the Habs. They're definitely the favorite to get out of this North Division. So, like, there's definitely a lot of excitement, like, right now. Um, and there should be. Like, this is a really good team. And, and you know, I think you and I are definitely nitpicking in terms of, you know, you know, I, I guess we just want to see these lines, you know, do well. And, and they've just got so many options that uh, they've, they've got a huge opportunity to do some real damage here. Yeah, I guess my concern is from last year where they didn't get the bottom six scoring come playoff time. And that was a huge, you know, factor. Like obviously when Matthews Marner are out there, you're going to feel like you have the edge, like you're, you can score. Um, but I do think Riley Nash is a player who you love if you're up a goal, but you don't really like if you're down a goal. And to me, if I'm looking at this lineup and, and they're down a goal, I do have some questions. Maybe that means you put Kerfoot back at center between Thornton and, and Spezza. If you're down a goal, um, I'll be kind of curious to see the adjustments that are made in that in that regard, Nick. Because uh, to me, if you're if you're down a goal and you're running out Kerfoot, National Kai of Thornton, Spezza, Simmons, I'm not a big fan. Right. Um, so obviously, we haven't seen it in action. We are nitpicking. I do think that you know just the nature of this Leafs lineup, how strong it is, and the fact that they added guys like Felino and Nash at the deadline. This lineup looks strong overall. I just don't know if I love the lines, but. I know a lot of people do because they see the 12 forwards and think, okay, this is going to be great. I just have, I guess, concerns about uh, the scoring depth primarily. Yeah. And and I do want to also say, like, you know, Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander have had fantastic years. But, like, I don't want to say the Leafs have relied on that fourth line because that's not true at all. But that fourth line scoring from Spezza has been so important. Like, he has 24 5-on-5 points this year. Like, that's crazy. He... I had a tweet a couple of weeks ago. Um, I haven't recalculated it, but at the time, this was, I think, two weeks ago, he would have led, it was like three or four teams in five-on-five five scoring if he played on that team, and he was tied with the Canucks, the Flames, and he was one point off of tying, being tied for first in the Habs. Like, Spezza's been absolutely fantastic this year, and they yeah. need him to be in the playoffs too. Yeah, I agree. I think he's been outstanding. Like, there's, there's really no other way to describe it. I just, as we said, he's been on the wing almost all year. Right. It's worked, and now you're kind of changing it at the end. I mean, he's played center, obviously, in his career. Tons of center. He's obviously strong at face-offs. He's been taking face-offs all year. But uh, I do have I do have some questions. I think it's kind of a... Honestly, I, I, I don't think if all these guys are veterans, like, they're, they're the same age... There's no kind of storyline behind them. I think maybe Simmons comes out. Um, but yeah, Spets has been great all year. I think Thornton had the longest point streak in hockey um, before last game. So I think he had, he had points in seven or eight straight, which is a great story. I know he did play with Matthews Martyr a little bit. But I do think the Thornton-Spets duo works well together. Uh, I, I don't think Simmons is the perfect player to compliment them. I don't think he's kind of warranted a lineup spot because he's fought three times in 36 games. But... Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how they make adjustments, whether they're up a goal, down a goal. And also, if there's a line that doesn't look great over the next two games, if they do make a switch. 
Um, who do you think, Nick, is the most likely to come out? Obviously, performance will dictate this, but let's say Galchenyuk, they want to get Galchenyuk in a game. I, I don't know who would come out. I, I, I almost feel like they won't scratch Simmons. Is that... Do you That's, think there's a chance? That is the biggest question going into this playoffs is how Keith manages Thornton and Simmons. Like, if they lose a series and and Simmons and Thornton, I, I think people are going to be really upset about it. I don't think he's going to be close to being fired, which he shouldn't be. Um, but I think, you know, there's going to be some serious criticism there. Um, I think it will be Simmons. Um, but especially if they start losing in a series... Keeps gonna have to make a change. He's gonna have to make a change, um, but we'll see. I, I I'll say Simmons. I think it has to be him, especially against a good five on five team like Montreal. Yeah, I do like having someone you can fight, but for me, it's like, okay, if there's a bad hit on Marner in game two, then Simmons plays game three. You know, like I I don't know if I would have started with Simmons just based on how he's played this year. I don't think he's been great. Uh, I know he's got some some garbage goals, but you know since the injury, I don't think he's been good at all. Um, obviously, just two assists in thirty six games. He's not good in transition. I like that he goes to the net. Maybe he'll score some dirty playoff goals. But uh, for me, Galchenyuk has just outplayed him. And I guess the confusing thing for me is at the deadline, Nick, we both wanted Taylor Hall, and you know to our credit, the Bruins are twelve three and one since the trade. He's got fourteen points in sixteen games. And we don't know the full reasons why they didn't trade for Hall. I don't want to get into Hall too much, but the one thing that was said at the time was that Galchenyuk was playing so well right. that he changed their trade deadline plan. I was going to bring this up. And, and to say that and then not even have Galchenyuk in your playoff lineup, it, it, I question it. And I think we're right to question it where, okay, well, if you knew, if you weren't going to put Galchenyuk in your playoff lineup, would, would you have gotten Hall then? Or... You know, if if you were so convinced that Galchenyuk was a, was a difference maker, why is he not in the lineup now? Did you did you mess up your your evaluation of him? Like something's off there. Um, I know it's it's he's still a nice player to have. If you know someone gets hurt, I'm sure they're going to need a 13 forward at some point. But for me, he should have been in this lineup over over a Simmons. I get the physical thing. I get the playoff hockey thing. But I just think Galchenyuk's a been pretty physical in his own right, and b just better offensively. Okay, so I've got a question for you. Okay. How much time at 5-on-5 five five has Simmons, Spezza, and Thornton played together as a line? Let's do an over-under. Let's go over-under 10 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. I know they played one game together, but I think it was just one game, and then I don't know. It's got to be close to 10. I was going to say 15 minutes. That was my guess. Yeah. But So I guess I'll go. I feel like you're going to say it's under, but I'll... I'll <laughs> My guess would have been slightly over. Yeah, it's nine twenty-two, so just under. Um, they've been featured as a, you know in twenty-eight games, but I'm sure line changes or whatever. Uh, but just nine twenty-two, so I don't know how much information they're going to really gather. Uh, I'm not even going to mention what the diff- like the expected goal differentials is in in nine minutes. It's virtually useless information. But um, I mean, they, so, I don't know. I guess we'll see what we can learn in the last two games if they do go with that line. Um, I don't know. I, I still want to give Keith the benefit of the doubt. I I don't think that we're going to see these lines. I don't think we're going to see that fourth line in game one. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I still think Alchenyuk's going to be there. Um, 
on that second line. So, but I guess we'll see. Let's talk about the defense, though. I, I know the forward lines are probably the more kind of controversial thing, and it's kind of the newer, um, kind of the new lines. But let's just talk as a whole about this defense going into the playoffs, because you know Bogosian's out right now. It looks like he's gonna miss, you know, at least game one, um, by the sounds of it. So. You know, we won't talk too much about the top four. I think you and I are aligned. You know, Justin Hall has been really good with Jake Muzzin all year. I think that's been a staple for the last two seasons. And then Riley Brody, you're not going to touch it. So let's let's go right to that bottom pair. Um, what do you? What would be your bottom pair game one right now? Well, it looks like Bogosian's out. That's what we're assuming. Yeah. Yeah, so I would definitely go Sandine Dermott. I mean, we're I'm assuming we're in agreement there. Yeah, definitely. I think I think um, Hutton was okay, but I think he's just going to be a depthy at this point. Yeah, Hutton looked fine. I think it's just you know if he's played two games and Sandine's been been very good. He's, I know he, his last game against I believe it was Montreal wasn't great. But that was the first time he'd been on for a goal against in nine games this year. So. Yeah, I definitely have Sandine in. I think we went over last podcast whether we do Sandine or Dermot with Bogosian. I still say Sandine. I at still this say point. Sandine too. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I think we're aligned there. Um, I do think Bogosian's going to play when he comes back, probably over Dermot, maybe over Sandine. Um, but I know, you know, Sandine is out, it sounds like, for salary cap purposes. I know they they were thinking of getting maybe Riley Nash a game in or, or Frederick Anderson a game in to shake off some rest. Uh, it does sound Nick, like Nick, like uh, Zach Hyman and Riley Nash are not going to be playing versus Ottawa um, in their next game. So I do think, you know, maybe we won't get to see these lines in action the regular season. Maybe game one is when they start testing them out and they got to adjust quickly. But um, definitely a lot of intrigue there. I think we're we're both kind of in agreement on the on the top four. They haven't made changes much all year. Um, and I, yeah, again, as you said, like, I don't think a fourth, who you pick as your fourth line winger is really going to make or break you, whether it's Simmons or, or Galchenyuk, but I do think they're leaving a little bit of value on the table there. And I guess I'll go back to the Marlies when, when, when they won the Calder cup, I, I, Jeremy Bracco was scratched. I still don't agree with the decision because Bracco ended up leading the league in scoring the next year. So he, he probably definitely should have been in that lineup. Um, but it worked out and they still won. They were that good. So I do think that you can make all the right lineup decisions and lose. You can also make some things that I would call perhaps a mistake and win. Um, you know, if Galchenyuk went and led the NHL in scoring next year, we'd probably say the same thing where it's like, yeah, he probably should have been in the lineup. Um, but I, I, I hope that obviously you hope that the Matthews line is just clicking on all cylinders. And I do think if, if your top two lines are scoring in bunches, I do think your your bottom six is good enough defensively, especially with Riley Nash there. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm okay with the lineup overall. I think it can be better, but interested to, to see it and kind of go from there. Exactly. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll record right before the playoffs and talk about the lines. You know, maybe we get a bigger sample of some of these line combinations in the next two games, but let's transition to a little bit of Marley's talk. And there's been one particular Marley who is making a lot of noise uh, in terms of just in Leafs land in general, and that's Frederick Anderson. Um, I'm sure that you've watched a couple of their games uh, where Anderson was playing. Um, he's gotten some ice time there. So, you know, let's start with this. Like, where, How do you think he played in the AHL? I know it's just a conditioning stint. It doesn't look like he's 100% just yet. 
Um, and has he kind of changed your mind in terms of who plays game one in the playoffs? Um, well, I think it's definitely Campbell's net to lose. I mean, I think he's like 16, two and two or something like that. He's, he's got like a nine over a nine twenty save percentage. I definitely think it's Campbell's net game one. Um, it sounds like Anderson's playing tomorrow in Ottawa. Yeah. So that'll be news. interesting. So I, I do think, I do think that'll be, uh, interesting to see, but I, I, I do think Anderson's the backup. I think he's going to play over Riddich. Um, I don't think, I don't think the Marley's sample is all that meaningful, to be honest. We'll see how he does in Ottawa tomorrow. Um, I do think kind of, unless he, if he puts, puts a shutout up and, he, and he's like a 40 save shutout, maybe you at least consider him, but I do think it's Campbell's net. I do think that Anderson's the backup if, if Campbell gets hurt or if Campbell is, is really struggling, but I think they're going to run with Campbell here. As they should. I, I was actually going to tweet right before Anderson started with the Marlies, um, that regardless of how Anderson plays with the Marlies, Campbell starting game one, you Campbell right now, I might be off a little bit, but he he has like he's at like a nine twenty four right now. Like you said, he has sixteen wins. This the, the level that he's playing at right now is 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 better than Anderson's been at. You know when we look at his full seasons in the past, like he's playing Campbell's playing very very good right now. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they're giving Anderson an NHL start. To be honest, he didn't look very good with the AHL. To be honest, um, with the Marlies, sorry. Um, it was a really bad start. Like within the first ten minutes, he allowed two goals. The second one was pretty questionable, if you ask me. Um, so I guess we'll see how he plays tomorrow. But you know, this is this is Campbell's net. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, even without the injury, I think if if Campbell was playing at the level he was, and and they gave him that trust, um, then you know, I think I still think he'd be playing over Anderson even without the injury. And that's how good Jack Campbell's been. So, um, but you know. I think it's nice to have Anderson as a backup, um, as insurance, but he's definitely got to to step it up. Then you know, in terms of, in comparison to how he played uh, with the Marlies. Yeah, yeah, I think we're in agreement there. We'll see what uh, I, I'm almost 100 percent sure it'll be Campbell game one, but I guess we'll see. Um, I want to get. Are you ready for some trivia? Let's do it. Okay, this one's a, a bit of a, a multi-part trivia question, but. And I hope this lines are right. I'm looking at the lines. It was for their final practice before game one. So I believe these were the, the, the lines they ran last year. I want I want you to tell me the game one lines from last year's playoff series against Columbus. Let's start with line one, centered by Austin Matthews. That's a good hint. Um, I'll probably butcher this pretty hard, but it's, it's Matthews, Marner. Um, and I want to say they went with Hyman. Okay, you have two of the three correct. Hyman was with Matthews, but they actually started oh, with starting Nylander? Nylander. Okay. So yeah, they did switch. switch. They did switch back later on, so, I believe. Yeah, they did. They did. So line two would have been uh, Tavares, Marner, Robertson? Nope. What's your next guess for that winger? Kerfoot. Nope. Oh no, Kerfoot would have been third line with Kapanen and Mikhaev. Was that the third line at least? Nope. Kerfoot was the third line center. Oh, I'm just butchering this hardcore. I know. It's I wouldn't have got this either. 
So Makai yeah, played get with me out of my misery here because I know my yeah I know Janssen's <laughs> not in there because he was injured. Janssen was injured, so yeah. Makayev was actually with Tavares Martyr, which looks gross in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And then Robertson started with Kerfoot Kapanen, which was okay. I mean, obviously, is a very offensive-driven line that I don't think they scored enough, but Kerfoot was good in that series. Um, I do think that. You know, that was an interesting line. How about the fourth line, Nick? Can you remember the fourth line? Uh, Spezza, Engvall. I don't know if Clifford started their first first game. I'll say Clifford, actually. Yeah, Clifford played every game, but uh, it was not Frederick. It was not Pierre Engvall. It was Frederick Gauthier. Oh, he started Clifford game. I, I know he, he played a game last year in the playoffs. I didn't realize it was game one, though. He played all games, Kerfoot. Uh, sorry, no, no. Clifford. No, 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 not Clifford. Um, Gauthier. Oh, yeah, I started game one, and then uh, Engvall came in. Starting off strong. So let's go with... So this was these were the lines, just to recap. Nylander, Matthews Hyman, Micaiah Tavares-Marner, Robertson, Kerfoot-Kapanen, Clifford, Goche Spezza. Let's see if you could do better on the on the defense pairs. I was just thinking about how, uh, how far this defense has come from last year. Keith had so many different pairings last year, so... Um... You gotta get the one. Yeah, I think so. Muzzin Hall. Um, yeah. I think they went Riley CC in the game one, probably, and then Barry yep. Dermott. Yep. Perfect. I'm more of a defense guy, especially playoffs. Defense wins championships, so. <laughs> You're gonna have to do the uh, the the D pairs with Burns in the next episode because that was a bit of a blur. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go but... game by game, but um, <laughs> bef- before we head out. Um, do you have any like lasting thoughts or anything else you want to talk about here? Because uh, we have two more games left before the playoffs start. We'll definitely do a big kind of series preview right before, um, you know, once we actually know who the opponent is, you know, it's most likely going to be Montreal, but there's still a chance that they catch uh, the Jets. So we'll definitely do a big series preview. But, you know, what are you looking for in the next week pretty much before we start playoffs? Um, I do think the power play is moving the puck better. I, I'd like to see them get some momentum, get hot. I think that would obviously be huge. We kind of know what they're capable of, of being a top five unit. Certainly have the talent. Um, I, I do. I still would say I'd rather play Winnipeg, but it looks like it'll be Montreal, um, which kind of scares me just given their five-on-five play and, and Caulfield's shot on the on the power play. But, yeah, we'll see how, uh, we'll see how they do. I, 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 I would like to see just all lines clicking. I mean, that's all you can really expect i'd like to see anderson and campbell play well because those are going to be your most important players um it's going to be kind of nerve-wracking come playoff time nick but i'm excited to see uh i'm excited for especially if it's toronto montreal it's just going to be an outstanding series we get as a podcast we go from as objective as we can during the regular season to ridiculously emotional during the playoffs so um yeah, our podcast might get a lot more fun and there's going to be a lot less nitpicking. It'll just be uh, very results-based. I hope so. Yeah. But thanks everyone for listening and we'll see everybody ahead of game one of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs>